Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Elise. Now, on today's episode of another Cold Case Friday, we dive into the unsolved murder of Lindsay Buziak. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Audible, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a fan of audiobooks from any kind of genre, including true crime, check them out today, audibletrial.com slash Larry21, and get yourself a free audiobook, your choice, and a free three-month trial. Without further ado, let's dive right into today's episode. As I've said countless times on this podcast, safety is an illusion. Even those of us who get strong gut feelings about certain people and situations, struggle to follow those feelings and make decisions based on them. Gut feelings are usually right, but we worry that in following them, we are being judgmental or plain old silly. Even when we're surrounded by red flags, we don't always want to believe the worst. On February 2nd, 2008, 24-year-old Lindsay Buziak, a Remax realtor from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, was murdered on the job. When she was asked to show the house she was killed in, the job seemed too good to be true. Something was sketchy about the whole thing. But if Lindsay had sold the house, she would earn a massive commission, earn some prestige, and advance her career. Some risks are worth taking, and the odds of being in danger were so slim, it didn't seem to make sense to turn it down. Who arranged for Lindsay Buzak to show that house on that particular day? Why were they determined to make it the last showing of her life? If you're a good realtor, you can earn an impressive living. Often... All it takes to line your pockets and move up in the realty world is one big sale. Lindsay Buziak thought her moment had arrived. On January 31st, 2008, Lindsay's phone rang. On the other line was the voice of a woman with a heavy foreign accent. That in itself was not strange, but Lindsay couldn't help but think the accent sounded fake. Equally strange was the fact that Lindsay had received the call on her personal cell phone rather than her work line at the office. The woman on the other end of the line explained that she had been given Lindsay's number by one of Lindsay's other clients. Skeptical, Lindsay phoned the other client, but she could not confirm the caller's story because the client was out of town. The whole thing was odd, but when she found out that the house she would be showing was listed at $964,000, she 
She felt it would be foolish to pass up such an opportunity. Still, Lindsay was uncomfortable enough that she asked her boyfriend, Jason Zalo, to meet her at the house in case there were any problems. In fact, Jason offered several times to do the showing for her, but her suspicions weren't strong enough to hand the reins over to her boyfriend. On February 2nd, Lindsay and Jason met around 4.30 for a late lunch. They went their separate ways after the meal. After lunch, Jason picked up his friend Cohen Oakman, and the two played in a scrub hockey game. Later, they stopped at an auto business. Surveillance cameras captured the two arriving and leaving. Then the men left to meet Lindsay at the house on De Sousa Place. De Sousa Place is a small cul-de-sac with only four houses. All of them were vacant. The perfect place to commit a violent crime. The house that Lindsay was showing was a three-bedroom, three-bathroom house that had stood empty on the market for more than a year. The client that contacted Lindsay specifically stated that her family was looking for a new empty house that was ready to move in. Just before 5.30 p.m., Lindsay pulled into the driveway, gathered her paperwork to go over the details of the house, and entered the home. It was 5.29 when Lindsay retrieved the realtor's key from the lockbox outside the door. However, the street was not without witnesses, as the killer or killers had likely hoped. Two neighbors spotted a man and a woman walk towards the house. Not sure where the neighbors came from, since everything I've been able to see or hear or read said that the cul-de-sac was empty. Lindsay and the couple introduced themselves and went into the house. The man was described as being approximately six feet tall with dark hair, while the woman, a blonde, was clad in a distinctive patterned dress. The couple appeared to be between the ages of 35 and 45. Unfortunately, the dress was not a unique designer brand and was sold at numerous stores, so it was impossible to nail down where it came from. At this point, Jason texted Lindsay to let her know he would be there within 10 to 15 minutes. She replied and told him that the couple had arrived. At 5.38 p.m., Jason texted Lindsay again to tell her he was only a couple minutes away. Lindsay never got the chance to read his text. Jason Cohen pulled up to the property at 5.40 and witnessed a man and woman exit the house. As soon as they saw Jason Cohen, the couple turned and went back into the house. The men waited in the car for about 20 minutes before Jason texted Lindsay. Again, he received no response. Jason then tried to enter the house, but the front door was locked. This is a big no-no among realtors, and being a realtor himself, this concerned Jason deeply. Peering through the windows, Jason could see Lindsay's shoes, and his concern turned into a panic. Cohen was able to get into the house through a back door while Jason dialed 911. Cohen opened the front door to let Jason in, so Jason ended the 911 call. Seeing no sign of Lindsay, Jason raced upstairs where he found Lindsay dead in a pool of blood. He immediately dialed 911 again. Lindsay had been stabbed more than 40 times. Investigators found no defensive wounds, which led them to believe she must have been ambushed when she had her turn back turned to her killers. There were no signs of sexual assault, and none of her personal belongings had been taken. This was a very personal crime. Lindsay's attackers had been careful not to leave behind any fingerprints or usable DNA at the scene. This seemed to suggest that Lindsay was murdered by a professional killer who had enough experience to know how to do the deed without leaving investigators so much as a breadcrumb of evidence to work with. A call had been placed from Lindsay's Blackberry to an acquaintance, but all that could be heard was a muffled sound. Police believed the call was accidentally placed 
during the attack. With no physical footprints to trace, the first order of business for investigators was tracking the cell phone used by the woman to call Lindsay to set up a showing. The phone was a prepaid cell phone that that had been purchased in late November 2007 and activated in late January 2008 in Vancouver. Whoever used the phone had only brought it into the Vancouver area 24 hours before Lindsay's murder. The calls themselves were made from Vancouver. It's from the cell towers in the area show. At least a half a dozen calls were made to Lindsay before her death, but the phone was never used again after she was murdered. Investigators concluded that somebody close to Lindsay planned the killing and hired somebody to carry it out. Inspector Rob McCall said on the third anniversary of Lindsay's death, quote, Having had this on our plate for more than two years, we had plenty of time to develop theories, look at them closely, think outside of the box. Following Lindsay's murder, an anonymous call was placed at 911 asking authorities to check on the home Lindsay was showing. But just days after the killing, the police revealed that a second 911 call had come from inside the house as well. The person who made the second 911 call indicated that a person inside the house might be dead. So let's dive into some theories. Who would want a young, beautiful, budding professional dead so badly that they'd extensively plan a murder and hire a prone to do the dirty work? Well, top of the list, you gotta look at Jason Zalo. Whenever a woman is murdered, first person the police look at as a possible suspect is a husband or boyfriend. Since Lindsay's boyfriend, Jason may have been present when Lindsay was killed, all eyes immediately focused on him as the potential killer. The two had been dating for about a year and lived together. While the relationship appeared to be a happy one from the outside, Lindsay was reportedly trying to decide if there was a future for her and Jason. Jason, it seems, could be quite controlling and possessive, and this rubbed Lindsay, highly independent person, the wrong way. His need to dominate her life ran counterintuitive to her vicious nature. Jason and Cohen were taken into custody following the discovery of Lindsay's body, but were soon released after timestamped surveillance footage confirmed their version of events. Jason agreed to take a lie detector test and passed. The police removed him from the suspect list. What about the woman who knew too much? During an interview, Jason told police he might have some insight into what led it to his girlfriend's murder, though he wasn't involved in the killing. He said that on December 14, 2007, Lindsay visited him in Calgary and told him she saw something bad. He believed she was referring, referring to something that occurred in Victoria. It's worth noting that Lindsay also told her father she had seen something she shouldn't have at the end of 2006. Through a bit of digging, the police discovered that Lindsay had contacted an old friend over both phone and Facebook over the period when Jason was in Calgary. The friend was a relative of a man named Erickson Lopez I'm just going to say D. However, they could not determine why she contacted him. But what happened to Erickson just days before Lindsay's murder could shed light on what happened to Lindsay and why. Erickson, as it turned out, was charged in the largest cocaine trafficking ring case in Alberta history. It was shortly after Lindsay left Calgary and returned to Victoria that Erickson and his cocaine trafficking ring got busted. Lindsay was not known to be involved in drugs, but had she seen something that might have made her a danger to Erickson and his trafficking ring? Did they feel the need to eliminate her as a witness? Could the murder have been a revenge hit? Millions of dollars worth of cocaine were discovered and seized during the bust, and a lot of people lost money. 
Might Erickson and his associates have believed that Lindsay was the person who tipped off the police? The police also dug into Lindsay's past dating history to see if an ex-boyfriend might have had a long-standing beef with her. They came across the name of Matt McDuff. Investigators did not suspect him of the killing, but knew that when Matt and Lindsay lived together, their phones were tapped because of Matt's association with Jess Singh Baines, a man involved in the trafficking and sale of illegal narcotics. In fact, Jass headed up a Victoria-based criminal organization involved in shipping kilograms of cocaine to the Toronto area. He had earned himself a reputation for being the kingpin of organized crime on the west coast of Canada. He trafficked illegal narcotics into British Columbia and Alberta. Through tapping Lindsay and Jason's phones, the police learned that information that led to the British Columbia legislature raids in 2003. Despite Lindsay's connections to drug traffickers, there was no evidence to suggest that Lindsay herself ever used or sold drugs. According to True Crime Daily, the theory that the drug bust in Victoria had something to do with Lindsay is one that the police are taking seriously. Next up, a confession. After Lindsay's murder, her father, Jeff Buziak, launched a website designed to aid in catching his daughter's killer. On August 6, 2017, Somebody publicly posted the following comment to the site. Quote, I killed Lindsay and stupid cops will never prove it, so y'all got nothing. Whoever wrote the comment is obviously a deeply disturbed person, but was the comment written by an associate of Lindsay's, or was it just a demented joke? According to the National Post, a list of local people included in the since-removed message who have been linked to Buziak suggests the author is at least familiar with the case. The comment continues, quote, No one gives a shit anymore, anyhow, except her crybaby dad. Even her fakey girlfriends have washed it away. Typical loser chicks. Sandwich cops dropped it because they can't solve shit or told them to drop it. Cut the phony investigation. It's done. Go home, losers. Forget about her. The street always rules. Bitches die every day. Well, the commenter who couldn't spell his way out of a paper bag is clearly wrong that no one, quote, gives a shit anymore. Otherwise, I wouldn't be recording this episode and you wouldn't be listening to this. Jeff Buziak responded to the crazy message saying, quote, I read it, I went through my various gyrations and then I copied and pasted it and sent it to the police. I'm not here to debate whether the post is real or from a bad guy or not. You got a lead, go investigate it and let the police determine it, not the armchair quarterbacks. It's either from the guy who's really kind of cooking out a bit and taunting, or it's from some crackhead, or it's someone just fucking around. But I don't care. I asked the police to get to the bottom of it. And now we're going to dive into some uh, new developments as of 2020. In October 2020, documents related to the Buziak case were unsealed revealing new information to the public for the first time. So we're going to take a look at some of the more important items of interest that were brought to light. Starting off with the mysterious phone call. As we previously discussed, when Lindsay received the first phone call about the showing at the house, Lindsay asked the woman how she found her and how she got her personal cell phone number. The woman would only tell her that she had been referred to Lindsay. But when Lindsay called around to find out which of her colleagues had referred her, no one knew anything about it. In the documents, there was no mention of the referral client who Lindsay supposedly tried to contact, but she was on vacation. 
and then planning an escape. When Lindsay recommended the home on D'Souza place during the 10-minute call with the unknown caller, the caller may have used MapQuest for the purpose of familiarizing themselves with the area and planning escape rounds. At 7.15 p.m. on the same day, February 1st, Jason's mother, Shirley, showed up at the condo shared by Lindsay and her son. The documents do not state why Shirley visited the couple, but she reportedly overheard a 15-minute phone conversation between Lindsay and the client. And there's next up is some strange online activity. The local police uncovered an odd pattern in Lindsay's online activity in the days leading up to her murder. They discovered missing chat messages and were unable to determine when the files had been deleted. At the time of Lindsay's death, Facebook was still very new, but Lindsay had an account. The police found that from January 24, 2008 to February 3, 2008, quote, there were no messages from any of Buziak's 700 friends. Investigators said they found the lack of activity very odd, but don't know what or if it has anything to do with the case. Next, on the discovery of some shady characters in Lindsay's Facebook friends. Upon examining Lindsay's Facebook friends list, investigators quickly spotted the names of people who were violent criminals and involved in the legal distribution of drugs. Those names are heavily redacted in the report, but the local police at first believed that Buziak's association with them may have played a role in her murder. Next up, uncomfortable until the very end. On the day Lindsay was killed, she stopped at Remax's Chatterton Way office where she worked. The receptionist told police that even though Lindsay was to show the house on De Sousa Place that day, she was still feeling really weird and freaked out about the showing. So freaked out, in fact, that she gave the client's phone number to the receptionist and another co-worker to see if they could find a record with other agents in Victoria. Unfortunately, they were unsuccessful. Next up, the killers escaped on foot. When Jason and Cohen arrived at the house, they saw Lindsay's BMW in the parking lot, but they didn't see any other cars on the street. This is consistent with the police's statement that the couple that killed Lindsay fled on foot. After waiting for about 10 minutes, Jason discovered the front door was locked and proceeded to ring the doorbell, quote, about 10 times with no answers. Next up, possibly more than one conspirator? The phone that was used to arrange the showing with Buziak was determined to be a prepaid phone registered to Paulo Rodriguez, a fake name. Cell tower information shows that the shows the area where the phone was purchased and where the person or people who purchased it were most likely from. Police also determined there was a second prepaid phone that was used to check the first phone's voicemail, leading to leading investigators to surmise that there were two conspirators. The Sinich police were eventually able to figure out the owner of both phones but the name is still redacted in the report. It's evident that whoever killed Lindsay Buziak was afraid of something. It certainly wasn't random. It appears Lindsay's death was the result of her seeing and or knowing something she wasn't supposed to. But it was something she was not directly involved in. If you want to dig deep, even deeper into this case, because, I mean, we could be talking about this for hours, uh, head on over to the website that Lindsay's father made at lindsaybuziakmurder.com. I'll have a link to it in the um, description. It's a bit difficult to follow, but the site delves deeper into even more potential suspects, motives, 
There is no such thing as the perfect crime, but the conspirators in the Lindsay Buziak case have thus far done a damn good job of hiding their identities and their reasons for snuffing out the life of a beautiful young woman with a promising future. And the reasons for snuffing out the life of a beautiful young woman with a promising future. And now on to our Poddex segment. Today's question is, why do you think that the most common way for a woman to murder someone is poison? Well, depending on the um, type of poison, I think it's because they don't have the guts to come face to face with the person they want to kill and do it personally. Because like people have said, if you stab someone, it's definitely personal because you're doing it up close whereas like shoot somebody you could be a good distance away but then a uh, poison you just spike their food or the drink or whatever it is and you can walk away and be home at the time that they finally die from their poison so you're not really facing them so i think they don't have the yeah so in the general i don't think they have the guts to face their um targets but let us know your thoughts in the comments section below why do you think women choose to poison people over other forms of murder and also let us know your thoughts on Lindsay Buziak murder do you have any theories who do you think is responsible do you think it's uh, drug related and hey give us a thumbs up if you like our video subscribe to the channel hit that bell notification button to be notified of future videos and hey, go listen to us on Good Pods. And as always, thank you so much for watching and listening. And if you want to support the channel, go ahead and buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash tcnews. Your support helps the channel grow, even if it's just a dollar. Every dollar you help can help us grow, can bring in new, uh, new hosts that we can pay them with. So thank you so much for watching and listening, and thank you for your support. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.